Good morning, everyone. My name is Jeremy Kitchen. I'm the executive director at Texans for Fiscal Responsibility. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the week ahead, uh, where we discuss kind of everything that's on the horizon, obviously, for the next week or next few days uh, when it comes to the Texas legislature and Texas politics in general. We are, of course, joined by our fearless leader, Tim Harden, president and CEO of TFR. Good morning, Tim. Good morning. Good to be here. And then this morning, we're joined by special guest, Michael Quinn Sullivan, the publisher at Texas Scorecard. Good morning, Michael. Thanks for joining us. Hey, good morning, Jeremy. Great to be with you. We appreciate you joining us this morning. Uh, we'll go ahead and get started. Uh, normally, we have these last about 10, 15 minutes, try to give kind of a brief update on what what folks can expect this week. Uh, today marks day 77 of the 140-day legislative session or the siege, if you will, on our liberties. Uh, we're over halfway done, but we're just now getting to the point in the legislative session by which bills are actually gonna start moving through the process. Uh, so we'll start off by uh, kind of giving everyone the heads up that the proposed state budget, right? This is taking the form of House Bill 1, this legislative session. It is the budget, you know, the state of Texas budgets on a biennial basis since they meet once every two years. And so this is the proposed state budget for fiscal years 2024, 2025. That was officially voted out of the House Appropriations Committee last week. Uh, Tim, you mind kind of giving us a 30,000 foot overview on kind of the next steps, if you will, what we expect to see here in the next few weeks? Yeah, sure. You know, it's going it to get pushed out. And uh, what, what happens with the budget is they do uh, what's, you know, what's called a budget night. It obviously takes quite a long time uh, to get through all of the articles. Uh, sometimes it lasts seven hours. Sometimes it lasts 15 hours. Uh, I think in the last couple of sessions, it's, it's, it's gone from about 10 a.m. to about 8 or 9 p.m. They kind of run out of gas about that time. We expect um, it's likely not going to happen this week. Uh, but we are anticipating it's probably going to be scheduled either for that Thursday before Easter or the week after Easter, just based on historical precedent and kind of when they brought it up in the past. And so it's going to be a, a big ordeal. Uh, they will be on the floor for hours and hours and hours working through the budget article by article. Uh, and basically House has the action first and then it gets kicked over to the Senate. So here in the next two weeks, uh, we should be dealing with the budget uh, fairly quickly. Now, Michael, of course, you know, all folks at Texas Scorecard cover everything uh, that happens uh, in Texas politics and beyond. What is it that you're specifically looking for? Or as you travel across the state, as you speak to activists, do, you, do any of them talk about the budget or government spending? What, what, what specifically do you see happening? Well, I think I'm hearing the same kind of thing uh, that, that, that I know Tim Harden is hearing because he and I have talked about it offline, which is everywhere I go, I'm hearing folks say they see this massive budget surplus. They see, um, you know, 20 years of Republican promises to, you know, to control government spending and yet government spending is higher than ever and our property tax burden is higher than ever. And I think that, you know, for, for, for most normal human beings, for, for people who, you know, have jobs, have kids, go to church, you know, grill hamburgers in the backyard, you know, normal people, they see that government has, has collected this big old, you know, surplus of cash out of our pockets. And yet they're, the, the government is meanwhile, the Republicans are being stingy at giving it back. 
I mean, that, that's literally the language I heard speaking in Adkins, Texas, um, on Friday night. Uh, this very nice elderly lady saying that the Republicans are just being stingy, giving her her money back. And I had no answer for her. Yeah, I think you speak to something that we speak about pretty frequently, right? As we we travel around the state as well, we speak to activists, everyday Texans and Texas taxpayers is, you know, we have this record, this historic opportunity uh, that some lawmakers have said, the comptroller said, of a $32.7 billion surplus, which represents nothing more than an overcollection of taxpayer money. And I think what you see, right, is Texas taxpayers especially concerned that they may not get all of that back, at least in the form of something like property tax relief or, or tangible property tax relief. You have kind of varying uh, approaches to quote unquote relief making its way through the process this session. And then it seems like kind of this cash grab by some of the leading proposals for uh, for pet projects from lawmakers. Uh, Tim, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I, I agree with Michael. You know, we have um, one, we have our budget that is on track to have tripled since uh, 2000, where population has grown roughly 40% in that same time. Of course, we put a an additional spending cap uh, that exempted property tax relief this last go around. I believe Senator Hancock uh, brought that one. Uh, where we're at right now in the budget is we actually have a massive cap this time go around. It's 12.33%. They're allowing uh, the, the state budget to grow. Uh, and this is mainly because inflation was at 9% uh, last year for a good while, if you all remember. Uh, so there's a lot of room to grow. We are under that cap, to my knowledge, in the current budget by about $4 billion. Uh, the concerning thing is, uh, to your point, Jeremy, that this, this surplus that we have, the $32.6 billion, is taxpayer money. Uh, we should not necessarily call it a budget surplus. This is over-collected taxpayer dollars. And the reality is we're using less than a third of that right now to pay down on property taxes. And the main excuse we're hearing around the Capitol is they don't want to break the spending cap, right? Well, but they are willing to kind of fluff up some of these other programs that you're talking about. Uh, what we would like to see, and the number one issue we hear over and over again for the last year, and really for the last decade, has been ever-increasing property taxes. And so we have this historic opportunity to where we are okay with taking the spending cap and giving taxpayers back their money to give us as much relief as humanly possible. We would like to see that prioritized. That certainly is the number one issue uh, for fiscal conservatives in the states. Uh, and so we would like to see as much of that stack uh, as up to 90 percent is really what we've been pushing for to be uh, used to compress tax rate and give taxpayers a much needed break uh, in this uh, you know, ever uh, decreasing economy we're in. You know, it's interesting, Michael, because, of course, in the platform for the Republican Party of Texas, now, of course, the legislature and every statewide office is controlled by Republicans. It has been for the two decades in the platform itself is language that says we not only want to put us on a path to eliminate the property tax. Right. But we want to use existing budget surpluses to buy it down. Why is it, you know, on day 77 of the legislative session in a legislature by which is controlled by Republicans, why is it you think that we have uh, that that we're having this discussion where we're concerned that they're not going to provide enough property tax relief uh, to Texas taxpayers? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I you know, that, that, that is a problem, a frustration that I've you know, tried to grapple with for for a long time without really satisfactory answer. And 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 what I think it boils down to is that you know for 
for any one of us. Now, you know, the, the numbers have gotten so heavy. Our property tax becomes so burdensome. This is less true than before. But at the end of the day, for, 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 for each of us, we're looking at, you know, hundreds, um, in some cases, you know, up to $1,000 more that we're paying in property taxes because of appraisal growth and the games that the local governments are playing. Um, and, and honestly, the games the state is playing. Um, uh, but, but we have to think about all the opportunity costs of, you know, arguing loudly for that as compared to all the other things we care about, protecting children from, you know, from grotesque sexualization, um, you know, the uh, poor quality of our schools, and just go down the line, all the things that, that we have to care about. On the other hand, um, there is a lot of money that flows into the pockets of a relatively few number of people um, in the form of corporate welfare and the form of these um, you know, of agencies of government that are all based in Austin, who those folks have, now that's, that's 100% of their livelihood. That's, that's, that represents massive amounts of their, of their, their inflow. And so they do go down and, and agitate loudly. And until we as citizens are agitating as loudly for what is ours, as other people are agitating for what is ours, <laughs> um, you know, we're, we're going to continue to uh, to fret about why it is lawmakers aren't giving us giving us our money back. I think that there is also you know that you know, something that Tim said a moment ago, and it just makes me want to set what little hair I have left on fire, is this idea, you know, that lawmakers hide behind the spending limits um, when it comes to property tax relief, and yet. You know, the three of us have seen this for years where the legislature will think nothing of coming in and busting the spending limit um, for for any number of reasons, um, but they won't do so for property tax relief. And it is an it's an artifact of a misunderstanding put in place by the Democrats of what of what tax relief is when you start with the premise that all money belongs to government and we're just allowed to have some, um, then yeah, calling tax relief um, spending, I guess, makes sense in a very perverted way. Uh, but if we believe that all money, all wealth belongs to the people, uh, then then tax relief should never be counted as property tax relief. The, the fact that they even have, have that on the books now, thanks to Kelly Hancock, but yet they still hide behind it is indicative that many of the Republicans that you and I um, and our friends uh, support and we block walk for and we send to Austin, they do not understand fundamentally uh, the, the, the difference between whose money it is that they're spending. All great points. Uh, you know, we're obviously we're talking about property tax relief. It is, you know, it's expected this week. Last, so last week, the House Ways and Means Committee uh, passed out its kind of prioritized, quote unquote, property tax relief package. It takes the form of House Bill 2. It's expected this week. It'll go to the House Calendars Committee. I would assume likely get set on a calendar shortly thereafter, let's say maybe next week. Um, you know, now the Senate has already passed their prioritized property tax relief package um, out of the entire Senate. So it's, it's over here on the House side. I think the question is, um, you know, there's 79 authors already on the House's version, right, on House Bill 2. I think for all intents and purposes, that's the one that'll pass out of the chamber. Um, I'll pass this to, to either of you if you'd like to speak on this. Any thoughts as to kind of who wins out in this? You know, we're in day 77 of the legislative session, over halfway there. 
is it the house's version, which is the kind of the lowering of appraisal caps while also providing um, some additional compression, or is it the Senate's version, right? Which is, you know, some compression, but it's mainly homestead exemptions. Do y'all have thoughts on that? If you were to prognosticate um, who wins out, what gets held hostage, where do, where do we end up at the end of the legislative session? Sure, I'll jump in first. Um, so what the Senate has done, which which is probably a little more intelligent than the House, is they've broken up their property tax package into three separate bills, right? So you have SB3, SB4, and SB5. SB3 is the homestead exemption increase going from 40 to 70. He has SB, SB5, which is offering about, uh, I think, five and a half billion in compression. Uh, and then you have a, a business property uh, reform in SB6. Um, so, uh, excuse me, SB5. So the House, on the other hand, uh, has combined compression and this property uh, or this appraisal cap reform, right? Which uh, if you paid attention, I, I testified in HB2 when it was in committee. Uh, and after they kind of got past their uh, their invited testimony love fest, pretty much overwhelmingly, uh, without uh, hardly very few exceptions, everyone rejected the idea of appraisal cap reform, which is what they're trying to do is basically lower the homestead uh, appraisal cap from 10 to five, but they're applying it to all real property. And the general consensus from uh, really business leaders and uh, economists was that appraisal caps simply make things inequitable and they ultimately hurt uh, compression because they raise property tax rate. Uh, with as much uh, opposing testimony I'm kind of surprised, but not really, that they voted it out in the same form. And so it's coming to the floor. And so I think the House is going to have a lot of problems getting that bill passed if appraisal caps stay in that bill. Now, they are offering twice as much compression, a little over $11 billion, uh, in the Senate, which is uh, is the best form of property tax relief. It's lasting. It's permanent. We would like to see pretty much all property tax relief take the form of compression. And of course, we want to see them be put on a path towards elimination. And so in its current form, because the Senate has, there's kind of chopped up into different bills. I would place my bet that at least a few of those Senate ones have a better chance than the House. Uh, the caveat would be if the House is able to remove those appraisal caps out of the bill with floor amendments, uh, I think they increase their chances there. Michael, did you have anything to add to that? Uh, not really. I, mean, I, th I think Tim has a you know, has kind of said said all I would say there, except to note that the you know the, uh, the 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 most interesting person not in the conversation uh, currently is Greg Abbott, um, and for you know that you know, Greg Abbott uh, made a lot of hay, as y'all remember back in July, saying he wants to put Texas on a path to property tax elimination. He seems to have lost the map, or at least he's not talking about it anymore. Um, now, it, uh, I have not heard or seen anything from Greg Abbott putting his fingers one way or the other, and maybe he's not going to. Maybe he's just going to you know, declare you know uh, a, a, a huge victory with whatever passes. But I think if Greg Abbott um, is serious about that, you know, about that, you know, loud um, uh, statement he made uh, back in July, um, then, then I think maybe we, we, we could see something closer, as Tim said, to the Senate's um, version be what, uh, be, be, be what carries the day. But if Greg Abbott's going to be silent and lawmakers play their games, I, I fear that the, uh, that, that, that the weakest, you know, the, the, the House and Senate tend to uh, negotiate 
for who can strip away our rights, our liberties, and our property um, better than the other. And, um, and, and I fear without Greg Abbott um, inserting himself, he's going to have to feel pressure to do that. He's going to feel pressure uh, from voters um, if he's going to engage in that way. But I think this is we're now, we're now at the point where we as citizens have to, and he as the governor has to. That's a great point. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see. You're right. He did call for the elimination of property tax. Obviously, at his state of the state address in, uh, I guess, early February now, he stopped short of mentioning the path that he had previously uh, mentioned, as, as we highlighted several times. It'll be interesting to see where they end up at the end of this. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, the last thing, the last kind of priority or thing that we're watching, and of course, we're watching tons of issues as they go through the process, but the last kind of big thing that we wanted to give an update on is for those that maybe are following the proposed ban on taxpayer funded lobbying um, that was passed out of the Senate State Affairs Committee, I guess, last week or the week before. Um, it is likely it'll be put on the Senate intent calendar this week uh, for them to vote on. Now, of course, just as a brief reminder, um, in the past, at least the last few legislative sessions, the Senate has not been the problem child uh, when it comes to this ban. Um, it's been the House. And so with the assumption that it it passes the Senate, no problem again. I think the question um, in our mind, and we talked about this on last week's episode, is does a ban on taxpayer-funded lobbying have a chance in the House this cycle, especially if the assumption is it goes to the House State Affairs Committee as it has previously? Uh, that's currently chaired by State Representative Todd Hunter, a Republican out of Corpus Christi, who in the past has voted against such a proposal. So uh, before I, I move on from that, did y'all have anything to add to that? I consider um, a ban on taxpayer-funded lobbying, you know, kind of really high on the things that should be done. Um, sadly, I also put it pretty low on the list of things that this um, uh, legislature will accomplish. Yeah, I, I tend to, it's kind of been lost in, you know, all the things that we're dealing with. However, you know, those, those who were paying attention back in 2020, it passed with over 95% of Republican primary voters as uh, it was a previous priority. Uh, there's a lot going on this legislative session. Uh, and as you said, very, I think Troxclair is carrying the sister bill over in the House. Uh, and the uh, State Affairs Committee is chaired by Hunter, who has uh, been in opposition in the past. We also have Charlie Guerin, Metcalf, I believe Hefner's on there. Uh, I think Hefner might have been friendly in the past, but the other ones have all not been uh, friendly at all uh, to the concept of taxpayer-funded lobbying or banning in that practice. And so they have an uphill battle uh, just to get it through the House State Affairs Committee. Uh, the only one encouraging thing I can say is after uh, Justin Burroughs' um, preemption bill hearing, uh, he had TML and a bunch of other people come up there and do what taxpayer-funded lobbyists do, which is, you know, lie and deceive and push for uh, policies that hurt taxpayers. And so he vocally said, hey, maybe we should ban taxpayer-funded lobbying. And of course, Dustin Burroughs, being the calendar's chair, uh, does have a weighty position. Now, is that going to be enough to push it through state affairs? Well, I'm, you know. I'm skeptical, uh, but it, it at least we have some House members talking about this, uh, and so we we at least have a few optimistic statements. But um, uh, I will, we will, we will, we will see. I don't have a crystal ball. Uh, I'm extremely skeptical when it comes to the makeup of the uh, State Affairs Committee in the House. 
All good points. I just want to remind folks that if you do tune into the legislature uh, in the ongoing 88th legislative session, the House convenes at 2 p.m. today. Same with the Senate. Uh, today is day 77 of the 140 day legislative session. Of course, uh, we, as always, are following along. Uh, you can find all of our um, work at texastaxpayers.com. Uh, before I pivot to questions, Michael, uh, if you would like to plug a uh, Texas scorecard, where they can find you, where they can find your work, you personally, that sort of thing, go ahead. Hey, thanks, Richard. I'd love for us to uh, check us out, texasscorecard.com is our website, and uh, Twitter, Texas Scorecard. You can find me at MQ Sullivan here on Twitter. Awesome. Thank you. We appreciate everyone joining us uh, today for the week ahead. Make sure to join us again next week for another episode um, uh, of the week ahead. And of course, join us on Thursday where we uh, will publish our audio video form podcast, Taxpayer Talks. You'll see that published, texastaxpayers.com. Again, appreciate everyone joining us this morning. God bless Texas. Mm -hmm.